Welcome, welcome, welcome. I sang a little bit. I need my Starbucks. Thank you. <laughs> yes, super excited. Uh, the kingdom. Thank you, Ruth. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. This series is all about the fact that we have a Western worldview when it comes to looking at the scriptures that we read each and every day. That you and I, we operate and we live within a democracy and perhaps we've lost touch with what it means to be in a kingdom. If you remember last week, we showed that graph, thank you Google, showed a graph of how many times kingdom, the word kingdom is used in writing, on, on uh, video, whatever it be, and the, the term kingdom is so minimally used in today's culture. And what does Jesus talk about most? The kingdom of God. And so we have a disconnect there, and we need to learn what the kingdom of God is. And so I want to encourage you today, um, I'm going to set this down because I'm afraid I'll spill it. Very cool. Um, today, I want to encourage you, get your notes out. And, and here's the thing with these notes is um, there's going to be a little bit of scripture, a lot of bit of scripture today, okay? And I'm going to kind of breeze through it a little bit. And so whenever it comes to the verses, just write the verse reference down and do your homework, okay? Do your homework, church, okay? And uh, write down some of the points because I think if we understand this, this big topic about the kingdom, it will change the way that we live our lives within our marriage, within our jobs, within our church. And it's going to change everything about us. And so today we're talking about honor. Someone say honor. 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 We're going to be talking about honor, a lost principle in today's world. If you got your Bible, would you go to Ephesians 2, 4 through 5? We're going to be reading in the NIV version. And uh, let, me, let me share this with you. It says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. In other words, we were far off, we were lost, we were wandering, and we could not sort out our life on our own. But he is rich in mercy, and he made us alive with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. And so we shared a little bit last week that you are now a citizen of the kingdom of God when you give your life to Christ. When you place your faith in him, when you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is your Lord and Savior, you are now a citizen of a kingdom. It's not just a small decision. Oh, it was really cool. I raised my hand on a Sunday. No, you are now in a new world. Okay? I, it goes on, and I want to read this in the message version. Ephesians, we can put it up. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom, someone say kingdom. kingdom. This kingdom of faith is now your country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name as Christian as anyone. Last week, we defined the kingdom of God as this. And if you forget, I want you to write this down. The kingdom of God is the king ruling in and through his people across his land, modeling his nature. I want to encourage you. We have uh, uh, Spotify. Becca, do we have Apple? Do we have Apple Podcasts? Yeah, she... Thumbs up, Becca. Yeah, thank you, Bex. Uh, we have, I would encourage you, please go listen to last week's message so that you can get a foundational understanding of what the kingdom of God really is. The king ruling in and through his people across his land, modeling his nature. He's a king. He is a king. He's the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And so today, I want you to write this down. This is the bottom line. If you take anything away from today's message, it is that he is a king worthy of what? Honor. Honor. And he is a king who what? Honors his people. He is a king worthy of honor. And he is a king who honors his people. I read this the other day. 
And it's so important for us to understand what 1 Samuel is saying. Can we put this up? 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. Again, just write the verse references and do your homework, okay? For those who honor me, I will honor. This is God speaking to Israel. God speaking to his chosen people. This is God speaking to you and to me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And for those who despise me will be insignificant. Ooh. Hmm. They will be insignificant and contemptible. In other words, despicable. Despicable. Those who honor me, I will honor. What does it look like for God to honor you? Can you imagine? What would happen if God honored me? How extravagant and extraordinary that would be. And this honor, we're going to get into the definition of it a little bit. We're going to explore what it looks like. But we honor God and he honors us. He's a king worthy of honor and he honors his people. Super excited for that today. Can I pray for y'all before we get jumping into this? Let's pray. God, we thank you that we get to look to your word to discover more about you. God, I thank you that your word is so good. It is written for me and for everyone here and for people all across the earth so that we can catch a glimpse of your love and have our lives changed forever. God, I pray that the words today are not from me, but they are from this book, from your spirit, from, from a source that speaks and changes lives eternally. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, so honor is a lost principle in our society. Would anyone disagree? <laughs> Has anyone ever uh, seen any memes about any politician ever? For goodness sake, these politicians are hammered every day of their life. Trump, his hair flips over and everyone goes all over the internet making fun of him over and over. It's so bad they even sell his toupee in a Halloween store. They rip on him. They rip on him. And so we have this on every level. We go on Facebook and we can hide behind a screen and click a share button real quick about making fun of our leaders, right? And so it's dishonoring. Let me give you some more examples. We go and we work for a company and it's a bigger company and we have a bunch of friends within the company and we have this boss who's got some stank breath. Oh my gosh, he drank too much coffee, bro. Get away from me. All right. And so we go into our text chat, text chat. Come on, Nick. Get with the times. Sorry. We go into our text messages with our whole entire staff and our whole employees, except for our boss. And we go, man, this dude's breath is kicking today. And we rip on our boss over and over again. We talk smack on him. We go and, and we have this secret conversation about our employers. We have this secret conversation about our employers. Not only that, I hope I'm making some of y'all uncomfortable because I'm being uncomfortable too. Not only that, but we got some friends we go to their faith. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to see you. Yes, oh my, we should have coffee. You got time on Tuesday? And then all of a sudden, Tuesday comes around. I forgot, I got a doctor's appointment. And you never wanted to talk to them and go sit down with them at coffee in the first place. And so you got all excited. You got their hopes up. And you were communicating in a way that wasn't true and honoring to them. This is a big topic. And, and at literally every level of our life, I think we struggle with this. And I'll be honest with you, I struggle with it too. And so I wanted to talk to, about this today because I think it's so important for us to understand. If we get this honor thing right, what does God say he'll do? He'll honor us. Yeah. It's so important to get this thing right. And so what does it look like to honor our king? What does it look like to honor our king? Because I don't get it right. I've done the text messaging thing. I've made fun of presidents. I've talked about people behind their back. 
It's hard. It's hard to honor. One thing I do with my wife, and you husbands out there know this, I push the annoy button every day of my life. It's hard to honor even within our marriages. It's hard. So what does honor look like? And so I want to give you guys a definition. And uh, before I jump into this, there's this book called Honor's Reward. And uh, as your pastor and as the leader of Core Church, I can't command and demand you, but I would say that this book is going to change your life partnered with the Word of God. And I want to encourage you, we're going to have some, um, we're going to have some of these books next week in the cafe if you want one. But if you want to learn about what honor really looks like and how much it can change your life, you need to read this book. It's called Honor's Reward for those taking notes. Honor's Reward. The definition of honor is to value, to revere, and respect. To treat with deference and submission. Ooh. Anyone here not like authority? You can't tell me what to do. Teenagers, okay. deference and submission, and perform relative duties to honor. If you had a question today, and I ask myself this all the time, am I really valuing that person? Am I really revering who they are? Whether they're above me, beside me, or below me, do I revere them? Do I respect them? To my authority, do I submit to it? Or do I give them a hard time whenever they give me a, a, a direction or, or they tell me something to do? I've had that with my dad my whole life. To honor. To honor. And so we're going to be talking about that. And I want to look, I want to look in the scriptures. And this is so, this is so good, church. I, there, there is, Jesus finds a man with the most faith. Jesus is walking on earth. And so if you don't know who this Jesus man is, there was this problem. There was this sin problem. The world was created from the very beginning and God loved his people so much. His people turned away from him. They ate of the tree and they separated themselves from the presence of God. And so God didn't turn his back on humanity. He wanted to save them and bring them close again. And so he sent his son, Jesus, who would become the sacrifice and would make all things right between a God who is so great and a person who is so small like me. And so this Jesus would go and he was leading this ministry and he was telling people about the kingdom of God. Hey, there's a solution for your brokenness. There's a solution for the separation. I am here to bridge the gap. I'm here to make a way. And so he's preaching and teaching. And in the midst of his ministry, he gathers some friends up called the disciples and they start leading and teaching and, and going and spreading the kingdom of God. Jesus finds the man with the most faith. He's wandering around Jerusalem and he runs into this individual. And at the end of this story, he says, I have not found anyone in Jerusalem who has more faith than this individual. He's a man of authority and honor. He's called a centurion. Someone say centurion. Whoa, y'all awake today? Someone say centurion. Thank you. Yes, I love it. I love it. A man of authority and honor. And so we're going to turn, uh, turn to the scriptures. We can put it up here so y'all can read it. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. A centurion is a man of high rank within the Roman army. He would command people. He was a, a leader, okay? And he, there was different levels of leadership. A leader of 10, a leader of 100, and a leader of thousands. He was a man of authority. And so the centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, 
Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. This portion, and I want to make it very clear. At this time, contextually, Jerusalem was under the reign and control of the Roman Empire. And so this conversation is very interesting to begin with. This man, the centurion, was actually in a worldly place, a higher authority than Jesus. Can I put it in today's terms? And this might, might not be, just roll with me, okay, the analogy. It would be like a U.S. Marine going to Iraq and saying to this plumber, hey, Iraqi plumber, I need your help with my servant. And so just to give you a picture of what that looks like, a Marine who has gone into Iraq and kind of helped with the situation there, asking a plumber for help. It's interesting, this, this, this type of interaction. So he saw, this is, this is the very important thought about the, the centurion. He saw through his worldly rank, because again, he was higher than Jesus with authority, and different religious beliefs. This man, the Roman Empire, was known to believe in many different gods and to celebrate and do many different forms of worship. But yet, for some reason, he goes to this Jesus guy and he says, Hmm, you're a little bit different, aren't you, Lord? How crazy is it that the centurion, a man of a totally different belief system, would go and call this random carpenter Lord? Do you see what's happening here? He's honoring him. He's showing him uh, that he recognizes his authority. He recognized the true king (laughs) and showed him great honor. We're going to be talking about what this looks like for you and me in today's world, but this is such an important thing. He recognized that Jesus was king. That's where it begins for you and me. Do we recognize that he is the highest, that he is worthy of all honor, that he is worthy of all praise, that he is above all. Can I get an amen, church? We have to recognize who the Lord is. You might be a business owner. You might be a CEO. You might be a high up guy or girl. That's awesome. Jesus is above you. (laughs) You might be running a church. Oh, how how much does this happen in the church, folks? I'm going to preach to myself. You might be running the church, but just so you know, humble yourself, sir, because Jesus is still above you. Jesus is the highest king. And this man of authority recognized that immediately. And he has this interesting thing. He says, don't come to my house. I don't need you to come here. I recognize who you are. I know that when you speak a word, I know that when you have a thought, things happen. I'm not worthy to have you in my home, little carpenter. Do what you say. So the story continues. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. Do you understand that it takes us recognizing authority to have authority? It takes us recognizing authority to have authority. Every authority has been established on earth. And so if you don't recognize that God is the ultimate authority, I'll, I'll give you a bet that you won't have or carry authority on earth because he's the source of it. So he recognizes, I am, I am a man of authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go. And he goes, and that one come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does this. Faith is remarkable. He understands that to honor, we need to submit to the authority, 
and obey the authority. Jesus, submission, my attitude towards you is that you're the king and I recognize that you can do everything. I, my attitude, my heart towards you is open and full. And not only that, I will obey what you say. If you just say it, I'll just go home. And so he shows two major aspects of honor, submission and obedience. Say this, do this, and he does it. It keeps on going on. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, this is like the biggest slap in the face. All these disciples that have been walking with him for years now, he says, you know what, Peter, you're a good guy, but this guy? This dude who hasn't even had any connection to religious stuff, this, this dude who's probably gone through some pagan things, he has more faith than you, bro. Truly, this man, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel who has had such great faith. Does anyone want great faith in here today? Does anyone want great faith in here today? Can you imagine what life would be like if the king of kings was here and said, you, Joe, have the greatest authority in the world or, or, or have the greatest faith in the world. You, Logan, you carry faith that is unlike anyone else in this area. Can you imagine that? Nick, you have the most faith in Monroeville. And it doesn't come through being super strong and mighty. It doesn't come through building some crazy business. It doesn't come through me working really, really, really hard. It comes through honoring. Isn't that crazy? It's not hard. It comes through honoring him. A man who honors authority shows proof of his faith with obedience and submission. A man who honors authority shows proof of his faith with obedience and submission. It's a big question for me today. And, and, and one thing that I want to answer is, how can I honor God? I want to have the most faith, Nick. I want to be recognized as a faith warrior. How can I do it? Because this is the hard part, right? Jesus isn't right here right now. He's not standing with me. I can't give him a handshake. Hi, Jesus, what up? Get a coffee from the cafe. Can't do that right now. So how do I do this? How do I honor now? Well, I got three ways that we can honor. And it has all to do with honoring people. Can I share them with you today? Yeah. First one is this, honor up, honor up, honor up. Write that down, honor up, honor up. Honoring your authority. Like I mentioned earlier, we have a real problem honoring authority. Go check the, the Twitter pages and the Instagram popular pages and you'll find 7,000 memes of every party possible and about how terrible they are. This church is not given any sort of also like party influence either. We're just about the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. And so whatever it is, we need to honor the authorities. We can't do it. We're not good at it. So I want to share the scripture with you for everyone who's been, <laughs> and even myself who has been speaking poorly or sharing poorly things on Instagram, Facebook, or whatever it be. Let's look at this. Romans 13, 1. I hope that this hits us. Let everyone be subject to the governing authority, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Do you know that whatever your political beliefs or preferences are, that God has established that leader? Do you know that however you think your business should be run, oh, can I tell you, oh my gosh. Do you know how many times my dad, I used to work with my dad on like carpentry stuff and, and working in interior design. Do you know how many times a, 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 a newbie, a rookie like me was trying to tell my dad how to build a wall? <laughs> dad, I think we should put that two by four over there. 
And he looks at me, all right, son. Like he knows. God has established my father to be my authority. He's established my father to be my authority. He's established your employer to be your authority. Mm. And so that text chain that you got going on, God established that man or that woman. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Mm. It's a hard one for me to swallow. I, I, I don't do good with that. I'm not good at honoring my authority. I like doing things my way. But when we honor whom God has sent, he honors us. I love this. Hebrews 13. I'm going to give you some scriptures today, church. Obey your leaders and submit. There's that obey and submit. Someone say obey. obey. And submit. submit. Submit to them. For they're keeping watch over your souls. Do you know what you don't recognize whenever you're dishonoring? <laughs> When you're dishonoring every position and authority, do you know how hard it is to run a country? Do you know that every person that has been within that presidential seat, they've had good intentions of actually watching over America? Whatever your beliefs may be, they've at least tried to help you and to help me, and we trash them. Do you know that my dad... All he wants is for me to be successful and all he wants is for me to get the job done well so that we can serve our clients. He doesn't want to hurt me. He wants to watch over me so that he can teach me. And so he's not trying to, he's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me. <clears throat> As those who will leave and give an account, let them do this with joy. We are to honor our authority in a way that brings them joy. You think it's a joy to be the president of America today? You know what keeps employers and authority, people in authority up at night? is when they have discord with the people that they're entrusted to lead. That's what hurts. That's what keeps them up. That's what tortures their thoughts. All that they've done is try and creating this place that they sign your paycheck and you're talking about. Quiet. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Isn't that an interesting thing? That perhaps when your employer is joyful about working with you, you know what happens? You get promoted. That's how God honors you. When you honor the authorities above you, God elevates you. It's a crazy circle, isn't it? That when I honor my father or when Warren honors me and he listens, he can do whatever he wants. We had a problem with him the other day. <laughs> it was like we we're trying to like hang out and, and do his thing. He would been at the pool for like hours and hours. And Emmy was like, you're tired, bro. Go relax and take a nap. And he's screaming, no, 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 no. And he, he loves sleeping in our bed, taking naps. And he, he dishonored Emmy and swung at her and yelled at her. And I said, no, in my mean Nick Miller way, no, okay. And instead of getting what he wanted because of his dishonor, he goes and sleeps in his bed for nap time. And he learned his lesson and he immediately came out after that nap and he said, Mom, I will listen. I will listen. And when he listens next time, bro, you can sleep in that bed. You want to watch Avatar too? Go ahead, Airbender. That's cool with me. I'm all about it. Honor. Honor's a huge thing. Honor's a huge, huge thing. Obedience. Obey is action. Submission is attitude. I got to give you a disclaimer. Wow. 
I got to give you a disclaimer. All authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. All authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. The scripture says that we are to submit to our authority, but the scripture also says that we are not to act in disobedience to God's word. And so you see this person, uh, if you look at the story of Daniel, Daniel is this amazing man. Do you guys mind if I go a little bit long today? I'm like kind of scrambling for time here. Daniel is this amazing man of God. He's an amazing man of faith, and he's in captivity right now, captive to this terrible tyrant named Nebuchadnezzar. Terrible tyrant. Good words, Nick. Okay? And so he is trying to maintain his faith, and Nebuchadnezzar comes to him and says, you have to worship this gold statue. Now, Daniel has been submissive. He's been really kind to the king. He's listened to the king. He's encouraged the king. But when it comes to worshiping this false god, Daniel says, nope, that's where I draw the line, bro. And what ends up happening? He gets thrown in a fire. That's a wonderful story, Nick. But what happens in the fire is that God joins him. Do you want God to join you? And not only that, but the result of that, the result of that is that that whole nation, even that king who believed in false idols and and committed some pagan worship stuff, he said, that's the God I want to worship. Obedience is action. Submission is attitude. All authority is from God, but not all God or not all authority is godly. We have to make sure that that's very. So I don't want you to do stupid things. I don't want you to go and obey someone who's saying steal this or lie about. Like one thing that we have in our company is when we like nick a door or we break a a door. I used to punch holes through doors like with like a drill and make like miss the mark. We go and tell our our clients we're honorable. We don't want to lie. But if my dad was telling me to lie, I'd be like, nope, sorry, sir. We're going to go tell him. All that I'm saying is that we need to submit and obey. I love this. This is the last thing I'll say about honoring up. Instruct, we can put this up. Instruct every employee to respect and honor their employees. For this attitude presents to them a clear testimony of God's truth and renown. Why? Why does it show a clear testimony of God's truth and renown? Do you know who Jesus submitted to? He's in the garden and he's about to lose his life. And he says, God, please don't do this to me. Take this cup if you can. And God says, no, we got to do this to save our people. And he says, your will be done. And then the scriptures say he considered it joy, obedience, attitude. And what was the result? A world that was changed forever. That's the truth. Tell them to never provide them with a reason to discredit God's name because of their actions. Especially honor and respect employers who are believers. Ooh, that'll preach to some people here. Especially respect people who are employers who are believers and don't despise them, but serve them all the more for they are fellow believers. For they are fellow believers. It will go good with you if you honor. Let's put this up. Honoring our authority reveals our relationship to our king and reveals how great he is. Can I give you one word? And I hope that this hits me as hard as it hits you. If you cannot honor your earthly authority, I would question if you're honoring your heavenly authority. I don't know. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I got to say this boldly. I don't know if you know who your heavenly authority is if you're not able to honor your authority on earth. Next point. (laughs) Honor beside. Honor our peers. Honor those next to you. Honor those next to you. Let's put this up. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Can we put this up? Romans 12. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, wow, what a word. What is evil? Cling to what is good. Be kindly and affectionate to one another with brotherly love. 
peers. Brotherly love in honor, giving preference. Oh, I don't like giving preference to people, man. I like doing what I like to do. I like serving myself. Giving preference to one another. I want to focus on this first statement, and we kind of hit on this a little bit. Remember that story about, oh, we go to our friend in church. Oh, my gosh, it's so nice to see you, Judd. But then you're like across the mall, and you're like, I hope Judd doesn't notice me. I hope Judd doesn't notice me. I don't want to talk. (laughs) Judd likes talking way too long, and then he prays for me in public. Nope, nope, nope. I don't want to see this man. And then Judd comes over in his kind way, and he's like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, oh, oh, my gosh, Judd, it's so nice to see you. Love without hypocrisy. Ooh, can we put this definition? Hypocrisy is the concealment of one true's character. Are you genuinely glad to see Judd? If you're not genuinely glad to see your brothers and sisters, perhaps you've got a heart problem. And we've got to work through some of that stuff. Perhaps we need to pray. Perhaps we need to sort through and give this to God so that he can do some amazing things in our heart. Knowing that when we give preference to one another, God changes that person and he changes us personally. So we can't do this fake stuff anymore. The number one statement in church ever, oh, how's it going? I'm good. I mean, you don't need to spill your whole life gut out, but like, ah, I'm good, yeah. Let love be without hypocrisy. Giving preference to one another. When you feel that urge, oh, I don't know if I should talk to him. I'm going to be late to my lunch. God forbid I'm late to my lunch at Jimmy John's. And that person who wants to hear from you and talk with you and just encourage you, you might miss out on a big God moment because you're not giving preference. Paul, and I shared this in our, I shared this in our early meeting today. This is one of the craziest things that Paul ever says. This is found in Romans 9. I want you to take special note of this. Romans 9, 2 through 3. Paul, he was formerly known as Saul and he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, a man who understood the word and he was chasing and persecuting Christians, putting them in jail or even killing them. And he has this radical transformation. He runs into Jesus and he becomes a Christian. He becomes a follower of God and, and things start to happen to him. He starts preaching and teaching the gospel and he's changing the world. Okay. And so he understands, he understands God's heart and he's a faithful believer now And look at what he says in regards to his fellow Jews, the people that he used to be like and worship with and and be religious with. Look at what he says. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Why? Because they're separated from the truth. They're separated from Jesus. Look at what he says. Um, For I wish that I myself were cursed, someone say cursed, and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. I got to tell you and ask you a question right now. Church, would you give up your salvation so that your brother could know Christ? That's called giving preference. Holding their heart more valuable than your own. That's what it looks like to honor our peers. That person at your workplace who just seems to be going through the dysfunction motions every day. It's like the cycle, new boyfriend, heartbreak, depression, possibly some drugs and substance abuse. And then the new boyfriend, it cleans up and they go through the cycle over and over again. What would you do so that you could give preference so that they might find the king? Might take an uncomfortable conversation. You might have to pray at work. You might have to invite them to church with this weird guy who has glasses on and is talking about this Jesus thing. Yeah, it might be weird, 
but give preference to them, holding their heart above your own. Honoring your peers looks like this. Can we put this up here? Honoring your peers, the state of their heart is placed above your own. That's how we give preference. All in knowing that when we lift up a brother, when we encourage a brother, when someone finds faith through us sharing and giving preference to them, God rewards us and he does something crazy in our life. Honoring peers. Third point, last point. Honoring down, honor down, honor down. This is such a huge thing as well. How many employers and how many people act so selfishly above us that they never show us honor and respect. And I'll tell you what, if you want to have an incredible business, if you have this idea and you're a leader, you have to learn what it looks like to honor down. You really do. You really do or else your business will not flourish. And those people below you will get drained and they will not carry your vision further than you ever could. You have to honor down. Do you know why the kingdom of God is growing so much? Because Jesus honored down. And he served his people so that they could take the gospel further. Jesus spoke to a couple hundred, maybe a thousand on a hill. Peter saw 5,000 come to Christ daily. That's because he's honoring down and casting the vision down. Church, y'all with me? Honor down. That means honoring your children. Hmm. Even when they're a teenager and a pain in the butt, how do you honor them? Even when Warren has been out of his mind, how do I honor him? How do I honor him? I love what Paul says here. Can we put this up? Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily, here's how you honor down. I have voluntarily become a servant. Someone say servant. Oh, we don't like that word. Oh, it's on a Saturday. I kind of like my coffee and my breakfast Saturdays. Mm, I know my employee needs, you know, a lunch, they want to discuss some ideas, but my schedule is a little bit full of Netflix. Hmm. Voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Now, this is from a, this is from a church perspective, to reach a wide, wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. The way that you honor down is becoming a servant. If you read it in a different way, he says, to a Jew, I become a Jew. To the Gentile, I become a Gentile. I serve people. I have this authority. I've been given authority by God to take the book and to take this word across the earth. I'm going to serve down, though. I'm not going to come in like a mighty wave and tell these Jews or these Gentiles how terrible they are. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to serve them. I didn't take on their way of life. That's super important. I didn't take on their way of life. You have to model the nature of God, right? Those who are above, when you're leading, you have to model the nature of God. You don't go and start smoking weed with them. You don't go and start drinking with them, right? But you model the nature of God. Model model the nature of God. I didn't take their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. How much better would your business be if you did that? How much better would I be as a pastor if I did that? I live in this bubble, Christian bubble world. How much better would I be if I understood things from your point of view? I've become just about as every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those into, uh, those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. Oh, I wanted to be in on it. I wanted to be in on it. 
The position of leadership, this is what I'll say in regards to this scripture, the position of leadership honors when it serves. That's how you honor as a leader. This is backwards formula. My employees, my son, my dad used to say this. Dad, I'm going to joke about you. My dad said, yeah, I only had you so you can cut the lawn. In fact, I wish I had more of you. That way you can take out the trash, do the dishes. <laughs> my dad's a great dad. Believe me, he's served me so much. I'm just kidding around. But the position of leadership honors when it serves. The position of leadership honors when it serves. Can I tell you the greatest joy that I have as your pastor? Third, third John, the book, of third, or the book of three John says it like this. For I rejoice greatly, greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. As indeed you are walking in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children... Sometimes this is interchanged with disciple, not just child, disciple, the people below me, that they are walking in the truth. In other words, it is my greatest joy to see my son flourishing. There is nothing better that happens in my heart when he starts praying. There was this time there was someone who was sick in our house and he laid hands on this woman. There is no greater joy in my life than when, when Warren is operating like that. Nothing, nothing greater. Nothing greater. There's nothing greater that happens in my life when I'm sitting in small group on a Tuesday and I see someone who doesn't like praying out loud, they pray out loud for the first time. There is no greater joy for me. None. None. There's no greater joy. There's no greater joy for me than a friend that I've known since high school who has been so far from God and they start coming to church and they start experiencing the love of Christ. There's no greater joy. I will serve them and do anything to find that happening. When you have that mentality as a leader, God is going to honor you. Amen, church? There's no greater, we can put this up here, there's no greater reward than seeing those entrusted to your care flourishing and walking in all that God has for them. Ruth, you can come up. What happens when we honor him? What happens when we honor him? Church, when you honor God, you receive a great reward. Please get this book and read it. Honor's reward. When you honor God, there is a great reward. Let me put it to you like this. This is so good. Write this down. We can, uh, next, next one. We receive a great reward. Whoever receives you, hold on. Whoever honors you, honors me. And whoever honors me, honors the one who sent me. Jesus is talking here. And he's talking about sending leaders into the world. And he says, whoever honors these leaders honors me. And whoever honors me honors God. Jesus might not be here right now, but today you and I, we can honor him. Whoever honors this person honors me and honors God. He, whoever receives a prophet because he is God's messenger, will share a prophet's reward. In other words, your gift in heaven, your place in heaven will be so abundant. The way that you walk on this earth will be so extraordinary. The words and the relationship that you have from God, the words that you share, they'll be heavenly. You will walk in something that is so powerful when you honor people. And whoever welcomes, whoever honors a good and godly man because he follows me will also share in his reward. Whoever honors a peer, whoever honors a peer will be rewarded. Whoever honors a brother, welcomes a brother, will be rewarded. It keeps on going. We're talking about all levels, up, sideways, down. Whoever gives a cup of cold water to one of my humble disciples, other translations would say children, 
Whoever honors my children, whoever honors a person below their authority, entrusted to their care, I promise you, he will not go unrewarded. Do you want an incredible faith life? Church, we got to start honoring. Enough with the posts, enough with the secret text messages, enough with screaming and yelling at your kids and demeaning them, enough with pursuing yourself over others, enough. We have to honor as a church because it is the heart of God ultimately. If we're going to clap, we're going to clap. We have to honor. Dare I say, if life isn't going too hot right now, I give you a challenge this week. Get your boss a gift. Take some extra time to spend some, some quality time and shower love on your child. And go send a peer an encouraging text message, a genuine love without hypocrisy type of text message and watch what happens to your week. It'll change everything, everything. First Samuel puts it like this. For those who honor me, I will honor. Honor people today. Let's honor people this week. Let's get this from a kingdom perspective. It's going to change everything about our church. It's going to change everything about our world. When we honor those, we honor God. Bottom line for today. We put this up here. He is a king worthy of honor, and he is a king who honors his people. What a good king. What a good king. That when we honor, it doesn't go unrewarded. He recognizes our heart. And he is so generous in love and mercy. Amen, church? Amen. Hey, can we all stand together and pray? Let's pray. God, we thank you for how good you are. God, in light of all of this and all of that we've been experiencing, God, we want to choose honor in this place. It is unfamiliar to us. It doesn't make sense. But God, we want to choose honor. We want to live a life of honor up, sideways, peers, down, whatever it looks like. We want to live a life of honor, ultimately modeling your character. And for those of you who have yet to meet this king face to face, the amazing thing to, is that when you obey and submit your life to him, he honors you. That honor comes through an eternal place in heaven. That honor looks like a life that is full of life, life, and more life. That's what happens when you obey and submit to this Jesus Christ who died on a cross for you. And so I want to encourage every eye closed in this place, believers, if you can be praying in faith for those who have not yet made this decision, if you are someone who has not yet met this Jesus, you do not know who he is, he is right here and ready to meet you face to face. And all you have to do, the scripture says, is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and Savior and you will be saved. And so if that's you, no eyes are looking around. Go ahead and throw your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, go ahead and put your hand up. Go ahead and put your hand up if that's you and you need to find this Jesus. So good. So good. So good. Well, let's pray. God, we give you my life. If you've made this decision, make it from your heart. Make it real from your heart. God, I give you my life. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I give you all of me. I submit and obey you, knowing that the life that is on the other side of this, an eternal life, a life that is abundant, is coming my way. You are my Lord and Savior. You died and rose again for me. I give you it all. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Can we give it up for those who made that decision today? Yes. 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 Hey, we're going to sing some worship. Would you sing with us today?